Hey, it's Shaq for the Big Podcast, and the NBA playoffs are in full gear. Every play, every moment, every game means that much more. As I've been saying for months, John, betonline.ag is the place to get in all this action. Sign up today for a free account and use promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% sign-in bonus. Can anyone slow down Golden State? Is Milwaukee the real deal? Yes, I think they are. How far can Houston and Boston go? Toronto? Eh, don't miss out. BetOnline.ag, the exclusive part of the Podcast One Sportsnet and your online sportsbook experts. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota. Focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 17 of the makers of Minnesota If you have been listening to the podcast, you know that we highlight entrepreneurs and people in the state of Minnesota that have made cool things. Could be things like technology applications, could be actual products, could be services, Um, could be that they are serial entrepreneurs and make things over and over and over again, which is what is the case with my guest today. I am here with Heather Manley. She is the CEO of three separate companies, uh, On Demand Group, which I believe does IT recruiting, and that's her family's business. She and I met through her association as the CEO of Heather's Dirty Goodness Seasonings and Spices. And then she wasn't busy enough. She decided, hey, I think I'm going to start a spirits company, and she launched uh, Crooked Water Spirits. Heather, how you doing? I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for being on the show today. Yes. As I was saying, you are a serial entrepreneur. One company, one job wasn't enough. You decided, hey, I can make seasonings and spices that are pretty good. And hey, liquor, I Who got that. like booze? Yeah. So- That's the one company that everyone looks at me and smiles at. And the, and the spices. Yeah. Everyone loves booze. Well, I love your spices too. So I want to give them their due because I just actually bought another round uh, oh, at Kowalski's over Thank the weekend. You. So you're a, you're a young woman. Uh, do you mind if I ask how old you are? Uh, 39. Okay. I had to think about that. And you're not even 40 <laughs> yet. That is so awesome. So I met you and you. someone said, hey, you should meet this woman. She's in the food world. She's just created these spices and she's trying to get them into grocery stores. So tell me when you launched uh, Heather's Dirty Goodness. Uh, I launched it in 2011. And... Um, it was with meeting with somebody at Kowalski's. She was generous enough to sit down with me and tell me everything I needed to do to be considered a possible supplier there. I brought my seasonings, the original, in a, a glass jar. looked like a jar of weed. I mean, it looked totally <laughs> suspicious. I didn't even have branding or packaging around it. And I'm like, you want to try it? And she's like, no, no, no. But she's like, but I'll smell it. She smelled it. And she's like, okay, here's what you need to do. And so I took immaculate notes, did everything she said I needed to do in about a year, Came back to her and she's like, oh, well, you don't sell it to me. You sell it to the managers and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, what if they don't like me? And had a meeting with the head guy and he looked at our branding and our story. And he's like, this is exactly what we've been trying to do with our own brand. We love it. Let's take it. And um, I was really excited about that. It was one product. But I wanted to make sure that what what they bought for me had buy-in. So I said, well, I don't want to sell it to you till you guys try it. Tell me you love it. 
give me your feedback, and then from there, I'll sell you the product. So and, let's back up. You yep. have Heather's Dirty Goodness. It's the original seasoning that you sell them. Yes. Uh, the original seasoning, I'm sure it's a proprietary blend, but it's mm-hmm. kind of sage. It's Ro- Lots warm. of rosemary. Think like Thanksgiving in your mouth. And chicken. Yeah. yeah like chicken, I use it turkey, on Thanksgiving chicken. Kind of an Italian stallion. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So that's Heather's Dirty Goodness original. And do you get them to try it? Do you invite them over to your house or no? Well, they have a whole. They have a, <laughs> no. It wasn't that intimate. Uh, uh, they said they have their own kind of cooking area. So they said, okay, well, we'll cook it up. We're going to do some sampling tomorrow. Um, and they gave me some great feedback. He said, you know, the the rosemary. A couple of people thought it sticked in there, you know, because I I had a longer cut. Yeah. So I changed my recipe and made it more sifted. Um, but he said, other than that, everybody loved it. And and that's when I know that they would they would help me grow the brand because I had their buy in. Um, from there, uh, they bought it and we launched, um, and, uh, I really wanted to also get into cub foods. Yep. And so I have a great connection. Now over... you bought, you just back up, yep. you sell it, you launch, you go into Kowalski's, they mm-hmm. buy it. Yep. Does that mean now that you're in the super value chain or no. that you're just literally working one-on-one with a Kowalski store manager? One-on-one with a store okay. manager. Yep. Um, and self-distributing. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's hard to bring in a distributor, when you can save those costs and deliver it on your own. Okay, so you're um, not even, no one's selling it for you. You're nope, just after me. work going and selling and making yep. these sales calls yourself. Yep, doing a lot of weekend sampling. I was going to say, and stuff. sampling, I imagine, was really yep. what sold the product yep. to the customer. Yep, and I have a, a a woman now that goes out and does that and shares the story and the brand. Um, and to get into Cub Foods, which is where I, I also wanted to go um, with my, my end goal is Target. So I'm still working on that. Uh, but you have to have more than one brand. Or one one skew. Yep. And so with that, I really brought out all my spices and did an R and D session for a few weekends and came up with four more skews um, that were out of the box and um, uh, aligned with what we wanted the brand to be, which was low salt, really unique ingredients, high quality, um, and then presented that to Super Value, and they bid on that right away. Okay, so tell me all of the line you've got vintage. Vintage, which is like a, um, a geeked up hunter's rub with juniper berries in it. Uh, I have Sophistication, which is a sweet and smoky, not super sweet. I think more like honey and brown sugar um, with a, just a teensy bit of heat. You have Original, original, which is like the Italian stallion. Censored, which is my favorite. It is like 10, spicy. 10 peppers in it, and it's like a roller coaster of heat that comes down quickly so you can still taste your food. And then Burlesque, which is a um, cocoa... And uh, a little bit of cayenne as well, Rob. That's amazing on white meat. Um, we use it a lot in chili too, incidentally. Yeah, chili, and uh, it's great on popcorn. Okay, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I have the whole line of your seasonings, and I really enjoy them. And so now you're you have to make more. You've got more skews. You've mm-hmm. got this all set up. Talk about your packaging. Oh, my packaging in the very beginning was so ghetto fabulous. Oh, like I actually have a guy that uh, is a big supporter of mine and awesome. And he bought it because the packaging looks so dirty, like made in the back room of some It was very burlesque feeling. Yeah. And it was uh, was just original. uh, And it was just very basic. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I have uh, my boyfriend is a... Um, uh, graphic designer, art director, and and so I really leveraged him when it came out to the full five skew rollout. Yep. You know, we did the dirty just to get the original out, but now let's create a brand and let's really elevate it and stand out on the shelving. 
Um, and we also learned a lot of lessons. I was producing them in eight ounce jars. Well, that was just way too much. My 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 rubs are pretty condensed. They're not super fluffy. Yeah. So they last a really long time. Um, and they're really heavy, which means they're really expensive. And so I was realizing I was kind of pricing out the Cub Foods buyer. Yep. Um, and even some of the uh, Kowalski buyers. So I changed all my labeling um, to glass, you know, four ounce jars with a nice sifter cap on it. But that also, you know, delayed me coming to market about six months because we had to redesign everything and um, put pricing together. So I, I think one big learning lesson from that is really where do you want your end game to be? And and tee yourself up to be able to get the market that you want to go after, not just what what you're doing right now. So let's talk about that. I mean, to even start a spice company, did you like go to India and source spices, or did you just go to like the spice center and pick <laughs> the ones you wanted? And where do you source spices to make spices? Well, um, so I have a, a, a cupboard full of spices and. Basically, what I did is if I didn't, if I just did like a lot of R&D online of really out of the box, you, you know, you have a couple big spice spice shops online and just ordered, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of spices to experiment with, try yeah. with. And um, did you mix them in your like kitchen at home? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Open a bottle of wine. That was the tradition. Open a bottle of wine. Come and on just start over. Mixing. Heather's making spice. Yep. Yep. Just yep. measure it. And, and if it's great, awesome. If it's bad, dump it, move on, try again. And that's what I did. Um, really taking a lot of basic um, staple recipes and then just elevating them. You don't need to recreate the wheel, but why don't we take that original recipe or kind of standard and and uh, elevate it? Yep. You know, throw it out of the box. So you're now you're five skews deep. How did you get into Cub Foods? Because so many people, that's like the holy grail. And it's hard. Yeah. Did you I, cold call and just say like, hi, I'm Heather and I have these spices? Yep. So I have, um, with On Demand Group business, I have a great connection in the supplier diversity there who is just okay. a huge champion of minority and woman-owned businesses. And uh, she gave me a contact of the right person to call over at Cub Foods. So I cold called him and he was amazing and just said, well, send me your samples sent him to him. And he's like, well, we'll just do a pilot and we'll do it here, here, and here. And I go, okay, fine. Let me get my stuff together. Here's my pricing. And that's where it started where you need to rebrand. Pricing's too high. And then uh, by the time I rebranded, came back to him, he's like, well, we're going to do all the stores. And I was like, well, wait, you just said a, a, point, a point of concept uh, um, uh, or proof of concept. And he's, he, he was cute. He was like, well, I can change my mind, can I? And I'm like, uh, yeah, hell yes. Yes, okay. give me some time. Yeah, no problem. Let's do it. Um, I was so excited that they wanted to roll us out into all the Cub Food stores. And and I know that we had it easier than a lot of people um, have trying to get in. And I think a lot of things just a lot of things come to just timing. Yep. And we our products looked very different. Um, they're you know they have a, I think a great vision with them with being low salt. Yep. Uh, being very creative, not standard rubs. Um. And I think that also helped us helped us get on the shelves. So you literally have to like go home now and make enough product for twenty eight Cub Foods. Oh no, uh, Cub Foods has um, a process in place for expectations of their suppliers. So I had to get vetted with UNFI, which is a, a national distributor. Um, so I met with them, and they uh, with with the understanding I had already. I already have a committed buyer, and so they vetted me into 
Um, I think at that time it was maybe even it was Trudeau. And then they got bought out by UNFI. How did you learn how to do that? Did they give you like the roadmap of here, go call these people. You have to be approved. Do this thing. Well, um, they said you have to go through Trudeau so you can call this person. And I remember calling somebody and not getting any feedback or um, response. So my brother happened to know somebody there high, uh, higher up. Yep. And so he said, hey, can you talk to my sister? And he wasn't the right person. But I could at least get an ear of like, yeah. hey, Cub Foods wants me. Who can I work with? And that's what actually got the ball rolling is is I'm pretty impatient. Uh-huh. So if I'm not getting what I want, um, I'll see, can I use other avenues to get to the right people? I mean, I just, I'm, I'm coming out with a pre-bottled cocktail and I needed Campari's TTB formula number. And I, I was getting blocked at one area and she's like, just wait, just wait, it's coming. So then I went to, I just went down this whole other avenue going to another distributor, to the Campari rep, to the Campari rep's boss. And talking to Italy, and and uh, long story short, I got the TTB formula number. Um, I think way quicker because I was able to, you know, go with multiple avenues. I'm just right. I'm impatient. Okay, so <laughs> you now are in Cub Foods. Yes. How much money at this point, when you get into Cub Foods, had you invested in your spice company? Do you think? Oh, you know, um, not a lot. I don't like to carry inventory. Like less than ten thousand or more. Oh, for sure, less than ten thousand. Less than five. Um, less than five. Wow. Yep. I would have uh, thought it would have been more than that. No. And, well, what's great is even with um, Kowalski's, I I gave them net uh, a net delivery time of like, say it was net 30 days from order. Mm-hmm. So I could come in. I think even the jar I brought in was the sample label that I taped on to the jar. And once I actually had an order, then I made the investment in inventory. Um, uh, I, I, I like that just-in-time um, methodology. Yep. Um, and that worked, and that worked. And you can do that now with printing and yeah. lots of resources that make it easier to just buy what you need. Yeah, so it's not a lot of out-of-pocket. And then um, Rhett and I worked on, you know, we worked on the labels ourselves. A lot of sweat equity yep. went into it, but not uh, a lot of out, you know, outbound cost. So you're at this point a CEO of your family's company, On Demand Group. Now you've got Heather's Dirty Goodness, and you're, you've launched. Mm-hmm. You must have been proud. What made you... How long was it before you decided that you needed to do the next thing, and the next thing being Crooked Water Spirits? Uh, 2013. Um, so, you know, I have three passions in my life. It's family. It's, and in this order, food and booze. And On Demand Group is family. Dirty Goodness is food. And Crooked Water is booze. Right. So I think it was just a natural progression. And when I saw what um, uh, Mike was doing uh, with his Dill Aquavit, from Camelode, if I'm saying that correctly. Okay. Uh, he makes a beautiful, beautiful product. And I think that really woke me up to what small craft spirits can do compared to so much crap out of there of artificial flavoring. I mean, his product is pure dill submerged 50 pounds per batch. It's gorgeous. Uh, so I thought, you know, um, I, I paid Rhett and Scotch for a lot of my, uh, for a lot of his marketing or design services. Yep. And I, and and so I was looking up on the wall, and I'm and I'm thinking about what Mike did. Why can't I do that? Well, what's a, what's a what's a differentiating product in the market right now? And I looked up, and I was like, well, how come nobody's cask finishing bourbon? And when I Googled it, um, the only company I could find was Angels Envy. So that's the product that I went with. And then I um and I just interviewed tons of distilleries who was private la- private label friendly. Who would walk my hand through it? Who because, had bandwidth? To be clear, what you've done is you've taken someone's base spirit mm-hmm. 
and then you've changed it, amended it, flavored it to be your spirit. So, is that how a lot of these spirit companies are working or are they starting from scratch? Can you help me understand that process? Yep. So with the bourbon, I am using Yahara Bay Distillery's uh, award-winning, beautiful two-year bourbon. Um, and then I'm putting it in port casks and sherry casks. So I'm finishing it. I'm not flavoring it, but I'm letting it sit in another barrel that adds sugars to it, uh, natural sugars that cut the heat uh, of the bourbon and gives you a really just beautiful tone to it. How did you learn how to do that? Um, I did monthly sampling, which is really hard to do. <laughs> Not really. Uh, uh, to find that, you know, I mean, the distiller was like, you're going to ruin the bourbon. I'm like, just trust me. I'm willing to take a chance. Yeah. Uh, but I know it's not going to be ruined. And and um, uh, and it wasn't. Like, after two months, he was like, this is amazing. We should pull it. I'm like, no. Like, give it some time. This 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 is a baby that will grow better with age. And now we pull it anywhere from six months to 18 months. The one I have, uh, the barrel that I have that I'm releasing in December will have been in there for 18 months. Okay. And that's going to be stunning. And that'll be, we do really small batches of the bourbon. This will be only batch three of King's Point. But with the vodka and the gins, those are from scratch, and those are all my recipes. So you have now vodka. Yes. You have gin. You have bourbon, mm-hmm. some aged bourbons. Yes. I I just, I find this fascinating that you just, I want to pick out a little, little bit, like, how do you think you can do these things? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, how do you just sit there and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. You don't doubt yourself. You don't think about it and then think, oh, but it won't be successful. Like you are one of these people that just goes. You have a real entrepreneurial spirit like that. Well, I think everything I do is very low risk. So the investments I've made with bourbon, I know I could resell that bourbon if I decided to close shop. Um, I also think that I'm really good with recipes, right? I'm I'm a good kitchen sink cook, meaning I can make really good things out of nothing in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I think that that talent leans very well towards creating spirits. It's the same thing. It's all about creating a, a, a flavor profile that is unique and beautiful. Do you feel like your palate is different than my palate? Like, do you think you have an exceptional... Oh, the super taster thing? Well... I've heard people talk about that. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe not that obvious, but that, like, do you feel like when you know something is good that that's going to translate to me knowing it's good? I, you know, I was, uh, I was at the... Um, what was that golf event at Hazel, Hazelton? Uh, uh, oh, people are going to kill me for that. I know, and I it's, it's a on golf the thing. tip of my tongue. So there, people were there, and uh, they handed out plastic cups, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, I can't even drink this beer because it just reeks of plastic. Yeah. And everybody I was Rider with, cup, the Ryder cup, yes. <laughs> um, uh, everyone I was with was like, "No, it doesn't doesn't smell funny," and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like, and that so... that kind of made me like for the first time ever be like. Maybe I can smell things and taste things a little differently than yeah. the like than the super average palate. Um, but I also think I I also I love that from the dive bars to the French Laundry, and and um, and I think I have a good understanding of um, what can push people's boundaries and what um, the general public would like. Um, or you know that isn't offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some obvious things that are pretty offensive, but small group of people like and there's uh, uh regular products that, that uh, the masses like and so i'm trying to find a balance between innovation of, of really unique products but not not be off-putting right to the um 
to the regular general public that because it needs to be um yeah i don't want to i don't want to sell you know 20 cases i want this to be something that everybody can love from the from the gin snob down to uh you know my mom who doesn't drink hard liquor at all and so you for gin at this point you have vodka you have gin you have the two bourbons right Yes. And then don't you have another vodka that's now a barrel-aged vodka, too? Yep. So I have two bourbons, one in port, one in sherry. I have two gins. One is an, a, a London Dry Navy Strength, really beautiful. And the other one is a New American gin that is citrus forward. And to compare, um, the London Dry has six pounds of juniper berries, and the New American has one pound. Mm-hmm. So I kind of call it a gin converter. Because if you hate gin, you're going to love this. And it's right. really summer in your mouth. It's really beautiful. Uh, and then the Low Grand Vodka is a beautiful 100% winter wheat vodka that I age in charred French oak. And that came about of getting um, like 20 samples of American oak and French oak from toast to char, you know, uh, tons of samples in between, and letting them sit in just a neutral spirit. I think I used absolute vodka Um, uh, because, you know, the more neutral. At home, just like in a cup. At home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And let it sit there for, gosh, I want to say maybe uh, two two months. And then I did a a tasting. And by far, the French oak had the most beautiful mouth to it, the most um, transferring of uh, the beauty of the wood with the caramel and the vanilla and the campfire. And, And so that's that's how I decided to go with charred French oak. Gosh, you're so funny. So you're just literally like mixing these up at home. At home. Yeah. Oh, I have so many things at home. I I have a stocked bar. You do. I've yeah. seen it. So I can it's, test it. It's concerning. So in in starting your spirit company, how much money did you put on the line for that? That's a different story. Um, you know, I think probably maybe a hundred to hundred and fifty. Okay, so that's that. And that's a lot more than you had risked yep. on the spice side. So, I mean, were you scared? That had to be a considerable amount for you. I mean, for yep. anybody. Yeah. Um, you was know, it gradual or did you like go, okay, this is the no, amount of money I'm going to put towards this. And gradual. then when it's gone. Gradual. Uh, the biggest investments are um, aging my bourbon. So okay. I probably have... 70,000 um in inventory. 60,000 in inventory. Yeah. that I'm sitting on for anywhere from 2 years to a few months. And then it's like is the brand going to go between now and then, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I mean I'm with success what we're hoping and distribution um is that we can self-fund our own distillery. Um but it's it's go, now it's go time cuz now we're on Sun Country Airlines um the Talk bourbon about that. the bourbon will be on there January 1st um which I'm really glad that we had one barrel I was hanging on to and I don't you know I I um I had to refile my label because the TTB out of all the companies that register their bourbons came after me saying that the new regulations you have to file your bourbon as a specialty bourbon if it's finished yep. and something else um so I kind of like stalled on that and then finally got things going. And thankfully so, because I wouldn't have had any bourbon to put on the planes. Right. Um, and so how did you get into Sun Country? Was that a cold call too? Well, that was, uh, I have a friend who works within um, um, the umbrella of Sun Country. Sure. Yep. And asked him who the right person was. And he gave me his um, info. And then I followed up and just asked for a meeting. And I had a great meeting and told him our story, who we are. 
how I think it would fit. And he was telling me about their initiatives, and they have a huge um, mission to grow brands here mm-hmm. locally with them. Um, Sarir and uh, the CEO of Sun Country mm-hmm. just spoke about that too, the, to the airport commissions about what they're doing, you know, with Surly, with Crooked Water Spirits, yep. with Myers, um, uh, and they're um, uh, really, really supportive. And I think that our um, so they gave me a first opportunity to have our um, vodka be in first class. We did a soft launch um, starting in September, I believe. And then our um, uh, regular launch with our gins and vodka started today. So we're on all the planes, not just first class. Congratulations. All the cabin. Yeah. I'm impressed as heck. So you're in the planes now. Like, do you have to m- help market it? How do you make sure that, like, when I get on the plane that I order your because isn't some of this becoming too like we have all these now we have the regular spirits and now we have the local spirits and now it's becoming sort of a brand identity game, uh, yeah. being familiar with the game. So when you walk into the liquor store, you can find it. Shelf space in liquor stores is getting tighter. I would imagine mm-hmm. the more local we introduce. Mm-hmm. How do you um, play in that space? Um, well, with you know, I think one one reason we're getting. Um, shelf space is that we're not creating anything that's normal. So we're not a regular clear vodka. Right. We're an aged vodka. Yep. Um, we are uh, not a regular gin. We're a Navy strength gin. Yep. We're a new American gin. No one's doing that. So I think that is helping us um, get get a spot at the table. And that's all you need. I'm just knowing you, you get that spot and then you make that a two spots and then you like, Hey, move over. <laughs> I got another person I got, I got squeezing in here. <laughs> it's sort of how I see you. So how I know you've been a big proponent of uh, national association of women, business owners. You were the president of the Minnesota chapter. How important has it been to be a certified women business owner in these endeavors? Um, I think with uh, um, on-demand group uh, vital because we're really working with, we're business to to big business, yep. and um, that's just another way to get in the door. It doesn't it doesn't give you any business, but um, you can always leverage the supplier diversity resource at these corporations to champion you in to meet the right person, and that's mm-hmm. that's what they do. They 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 vet and um, evangelize uh, companies that they believe in and companies that they think can support their organizations on an enterprise level. Um, and so for on demand group, it's been in- incredibly important, um, for Heather's dirty goodness. Um, uh, I got certified there, uh, because super value wanted to be able to count the spend. Mm-hmm. So I, it wasn't certified. Um, but, um, supplier diversity is incredibly important to them. And so, uh, with their request, I went out and got certified so they could count the spend, um, with crooked water spirits. I think that's going to be a game changer because we are the first, certified WeBank distillery in America. Mm-hmm. So I'm going after a captive audience that doesn't have like five of me asking for business. And uh, unlike IT, where you can't swing a coat and hit an IT company, um, there there's there's no one in my space. Right. So I'm getting, you know, I, I was just at the um, Minority Council supp- Supplier Diversity Fair in Chicago on Monday last week. And... Um, had great conversations with uh, several hotels and other airlines um, because there's there's just really they don't and there's no one 
in your space competing against yeah. me uh, from that supplier diversity aspect. So I'm really lucky. So I'm trying to leverage the heck of a heck out of it right now to differentiate myself and um, um, get it. You know, hotels and. All that kind of stuff. There's a good story there. Yeah. And when you go from like a big bottle to the little bottles, was mm-hmm. that hard to figure that out? Or No, that was super easy. Okay. Um, you know, my current distillery had some. So we we just quickly rebranded and was able to get that going. And, and you then, say quickly rebranded. Is that because your boyfriend can kind of help you change the packaging? Yeah. We just had to shrink it all down to yeah. fit it. So resize the labels, basically. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then I just bought 50,000 minis. I have 50,000 bottles. So that was kind of more of like a, a, a clenching moment. Yeah. Because it's like, well, this, <laughs> what clench, this, as it were. <laughs> this better work because yeah. otherwise everyone is getting a mini from me in the state of Minnesota as a gift. Yeah. For the rest of down. life. <laughs> I'll be giving away little minis of, you'll be carrying them in your yeah. purse. Yeah. People Every, will start to wonder. If this doesn't work out. So I just, I'm, a couple things. Hey, I'm super proud of you because I'm your friend. So I'm just like, Thank oh you. my God, look at her go. She just keeps going. What I know about you, so you've now got your three stools, your three pillars of your stool, right? You've got your family, your friends, and food. Mm-hmm. Did I get them all? Family, family, family and friends, uh, food and booze. Food and booze. Okay. Yeah. So is that enough now to keep this entrepreneurial mind going, or can you just keep doing product extension lines? Like, do you ever feel like, wow, I maxed out on my time and I can't yes. do much more? Yep, I'm at that right now. I'm easily at you know twelve to fifteen hour days. I know it's temporary. Until Crooked Water can um, um, take off and then I can hire someone to kind of come in. Because right now I don't have an admin or a, like a, a support person. Yeah. So I'm kind of doing it all um, uh, for Crooked Water. And uh, uh, I am, I'm at that point. I want to do three things really well. I don't want to do ten things half-assed. Yep. Sorry, I don't know if I can say that. You word. can. It's a podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, these are your three things. These are my and three things. Grow... And even Heather's Dirty Goodness um, is kind of itself going, but I have taken a little pause on that mm-hmm. to really focus on elevating Crooked Water Spirits. Something's got to give yep. a little bit. Um, and I have a, so many ideas of things I want to do. I have a whole thing of like uh, that aren't even with food or booze, just like product ideas, but I can't do it. Yep. I, I just can't. I got to I got to make sure that, um, you know, on demand group is incredibly important to me. And and that is, you know, we're, we're 90 people in that company. I need to be there. I need to be visible. I need to work my butt off there. Because you're working with those 90 people and it's your family business and yeah. it becomes their families. And that's and, my baby. And that's yeah. that is, uh, you know, they're all very important to me, but that's my baby. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and I put a lot of time into Crooked Water as well in the evenings and weekends and um, uh, and and. Yeah, you have to prioritize what's important. So what is the most challenging thing about what you're doing right now? Um, nothing ever moves fast enough. So it's a lot of a lot of waiting. And um and I, I wanna I wanna already be you know, I wanna already be there. And it's and I can see it and I can taste it, but it's just it never it just it, it never happens fast Do enough. Do you write down goals? Yeah. Well, I have like for on demand group, I have a five year goal. I don't write it down anything else. Um, with Crooked Water, my goal was to get on Sun Country, mm-hmm. which I can't you know believe happened. It's so exciting. And um, why that was the goal? That seems like an interesting I love goal to have had. I, yeah. I love the brand, and to me, that's just I don't know why. Because Minnesota, maybe, and yeah, and it just I, feels and, good. And it just I just wanted it. I always wanted it on their planes. Yep. And and now that that's happened, now it's like okay, now I need to you know. 
get enough distribution. I need people going out and asking at the bars and at the liquor or stores. Or your spirits. Because yeah. that's how you grow it. You know, that's how Kieran grew um, to Ginger's is that the people asked for the product, not selling it to the bar managers um, or, you know, who might not like whiskey or might yep. not, you know, identify with the brand. It's it's really getting to the people, sharing the story and getting them to ask for it. And so that's what I'm working on right now. And if you're listening to this podcast, that is a way that you can help Heather and other local people. If you start to ask for local products or you spread the word about this podcast, you share it with your friends. That is how business goes. Yeah. And it's how Heather will pick up the phone and cold call somebody. That's how business goes, too. So if you're listening and you've got these ideas rumbling around in your head, start. The worst thing they're going to say is no. That's right. Right. And nobody is going to promote you but you. That that's You got to wrap your head around that. I, I, I am a big fan of fake it till you make it. I mean, I, one of my favorite stories, a woman here who owns a huge business and she was like, you should be a part of this group. And I'm like, well, how much is it, you know, how much do you need to be in sales before you're um, uh, there? And she's like, oh, it's like 20 million. I'm like, oh, honey, I'm not even close to that. And she's like, I would have, I would have thought you were way over that. And I'm like, well, it's because I'm faking it till I make it. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was years ago. And, um, and it's, and it's just projecting confidence and, and, um, and knowing what you're doing and, and being passionate about it and getting those goosebumps. Because if you're confident, you're passionate about it and you don't, you're not scared of getting a no, I find it hard to fail. You know, I will say one thing that you do different too, and this is something I think that I've done well. Women are good about promoting other women. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less, like, I think men are like, oh, I'm in a competitive space. I'm not going to recommend my suppliers or I'm not going to recommend people I work with because I don't want people to know who they are. Yeah. I don't want people to know who my clients are. They may go after them. One thing that you kind of have always, every time I'm around you, you're like, oh, you should call so-and-so. They do this. You should call so-and-so. They do that. You're very free with the referrals. You're free Mm -hmm. with the recommendations. And I think that makes people want to help you in turn or that there's like this karmic bank in the world. And you've put so much in the bank that when you (laughs) need it, you get to draw out. So, Well, I've gotten a lot of great referrals my way, too. And uh, I think I learned that with On Demand Group. You know, when I was starting with that company in 2006, I had uh, coffee every morning, a mid-morning coffee, a lunch, an afternoon coffee, and a happy hour. I did that almost every day for like three or four years. And still this, to this day, I have, you know, 10 to 20 meetings a week. Now I get to mix in more fun things like giving back and NABO and mm-hmm. um, um, and, and mentoring. and um, uh, But... It, I rarely found, I think, maybe two appointments that are three that I went on that were a complete waste of time. Right. Like, networking is so fun. You never know where. I like I like the. It's almost like choose your own adventure. Once you meet somebody, it really is six degrees of separation, and you never know where it's going to go. Um, and we're all here to help each other, right? I always try to pay it forward, connecting people. Um, and, you know, that's how I met Salsa Lisa is someone saying, you know, you got to meet – Lisa, she's, yep, she's going to be salsa. a guest on a future podcast. She's so fun. And she's like one of my very good friends now um, because of that connection. Yep. And then following up and reaching out and politely stalking her until and she that's how we me. met. Yeah. Just, oh, I dropped off Spice at your office. And someone, uh, didn't we meet though at like, a, we met at a restaurant. You were having lunch with a friend of mine and they introduced me to you. And then you brought Spice. Oh, that could have been it. Yeah. I think I met you at Rye Deli. You were eating oh, with someone. Were you, you eat, yes. Yeah. Yep. And I think. You're a gym. Yeah. I yeah. was with Jim Serdick and he yep. was like, you should know her. 
Yeah. And so funny. there it was. Yep. All right. Well, having you here has been super fun. Um, I wish you tons of success with Thank all you. of your companies, Crooked Water Spirits, Heather's Dirty Goodness, and also the On Demand Group. Um, I just will thank you for the women in the Twin Cities because you have championed a lot of women. You do a lot of great work for women in business. And I think you give a lot of people confidence that you can try something or that you can uh, be something different than you are. You can envision it. You can do it if you just set your mind to it and you start going. Absolutely. Thanks, Heather. Yeah, thank you for your support. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. An F-16 pilot having hydraulic problems with his aircraft managed to parachute to safety as the plane smashed into a warehouse east of Los Angeles. Fire Captain Fernando Herrera. That pilot landed in the uh, March Air Force Base area. In the base itself. Amazingly, there were no serious injuries after the plane hit the building. Alabama executed a man last night for his role in killing four people after an argument over a pickup truck. Tennessee executed a man who killed his wife. Reporters couldn't see the execution, but AP correspondent Travis Lawler says... We could hear sounds, uh, including a singing that uh, uh, Mr. Johnson's attorney says was him singing a hymn. Answering a reporter's question, President Trump said he hopes the U.S. is not on a path to war with Iran. Mr. Trump has dismissed suggestions that any of his advisors are trying to push him into a conflict. I'm Rita Foley.